Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, thanks for joining us for the late September edition of Three Squares. We are thrilled you are here, whether you're listening in late September or early October, which is just around the corner. And of course, if you're a furloughed federal employee, you'll have plenty of time to uh, be able to listen. So I'm Charlie Arnott with the Center for Food Integrity and Look East. We're working to keep food trustworthy, and we are so glad you are with us. Our co-hosts, Kevin Ryan and Susan Schwally. I'm Susan Schwally with Circana, where we bring clarity to consumer behavior, everything all about food and beverage behaviors. And I'm Kevin Ryan with Malachi Strategy and Research, and we help CPG and retail companies uh, through the front end of innovation. Well, and we Susan, a, we've, 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 got, we've got an encore guest today. We do. A three-peat. Excellent. Actually, <laughs> a, a d- deep cut here on Three Squares History. Mike helped us create our first demo. And, yeah, uh, and then you came back with us with Jane Fryman to talk about, no, no, actually you came back with Kevin and we pitted you against each other on uh, interesting innovations. And you agreed to come back because we're not pitting you against Kevin. no. No, I would not. I would ego. not submit myself to that that type of torture again. Yeah, great no. to be back. Yeah, but we're here to talk all about AI and food, and you and you with your background as the founder of the Spoon, um, yep. as you know, the creator of the CES Food Tech Conference, um, as someone who is you know following, tracking, networking, and intimately involved with uh, the intersection of technology and food and beverage. We wanted to have you on uh, because, as Charlie likes to say. He can't even spell AI. That's right. So we need help uh, understanding what's going on in this in this space. And we want to talk about your cool upcoming conference. So welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for having me back. It's just great. I, I love coming on the show. You guys are doing such a good job. Uh, I'm a fan. And so it's always fun to come on and talk about cool stuff. Yeah, we appreciate it. Look, um, you know, let's just dive in. Look, AI is everywhere, right? I mean, I think the average consumer, everyone hears about chat GBT and cheating at the college level, but it's also in our daily lives and people may not even be aware of it. So I'm just curious, starting with the consumer facing piece when it comes to food and beverage, like what what are you watching in that space or what do you think is interesting? What are you seeing? I think the most interesting stuff that I'm seeing is uh, CPG brands trying to use it to accelerate their their food ingredient development, um, come up with new product concepts. You know, in terms of the way it's touching the consumer, I think the most way I'm seeing that is just the, a lot of the different consumer-facing recipe apps and cooking apps have done some sort of generative AI integration, whether that's with ChatGPT or or with Bard. And, and it's just a lot of fun to play with if you're a consumer. You know, hey, I put in my requirements, put here are my preferences, and come up with an interesting recipe. Oftentimes, it hits hits the marks. A lot of times it doesn't, as I'm sure you guys have probably played with it yourself, but, yeah. um, but yeah, it, it's just, it seems like you're right, Susan, it's everywhere. It's becoming fairly pervasive and fairly quickly. Yeah. 
So Mike, kind of transitioning from consumer a little bit back up the supply chain, what are some of the, the breakthrough AI technologies you're seeing right now that are having the greatest impact on food and beverage supply chain? Well, on the supply chain side, we're seeing, um, and it's oftentimes AI combined with things like with IoT to do uh, sensing around, hey, what's happening and understanding what's happening with our food waste, for example. Um, we're seeing folks integrated into at the farm and at the warehouse level to help reduce uh, food waste. A good company, uh, a good example is a company called Strella, which has a next generation kind of food sensor or a uh, IOT sensor for food waste. And they put it into mm -hmm. warehouses. And apparently they're in 70% of, of Apple warehousing in the US at this point. And their algorithms have kind of perfected how, what is the perfect time that a apple will, will reach perfect peak ripeness? And it helps uh, farmers and, and, and warehousers get it to the store on time. And they just now launch avocados and bananas, which has a way shorter, as you probably know, life cycle. And it's really harder to get. I mean, how many of us have bought avocados and have them uh, either go bad within a couple of days and same with bananas. So um, it's really kind of helping perfect uh, and kind of understand the ripeness development cycle for things like agriculture. So that's one example. We're also seeing it, like I said, further up the supply chain, even, you know, if they look at a company like Impossible, Impossible Foods, it took them like three years of brute force lab work to develop that that heme that really is kind of the secret sauce for their, mm -hmm. their plant-based meat. Companies like Shiru, which is a company that is going to be at our event in in October, thinks they can use AI to develop that type of ingredient in just three weeks to a month. Now it may take a little bit longer to actually get that ramped up and produced, but we're just seeing a, a you know an order of magnitude acceleration in terms of development of these ingredients because AI can do matching and pairing and, and using machine learning to to look for what is an ingredient or a plant-based ingredient or input that can help develop you that next great ingredient. Right. Yeah, that's really interesting. There's uh, Green Venus is uh, also a tech company. They're using gene editing. They, they're they getting ready to commercialize a non-browning avocado, which would be phenomenal and kind of a game changer. And you begin to think about how these these technologies could possibly pair together. Uh, I saw my favorite avocado meme last week. It said, don't eat me, don't eat me, don't eat me, eat me. Oh, too late. <laughs> right. Because, I mean, that's always the challenge with an avocado. So are they using... Gene, they're using like CRISPR type of technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pairing yeah, that yeah. with AI. That's fantastic. Yes. And so it, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with AI, but I know that they've, they've applied for, they're working through the approval process uh, with their, with their non browning avocado. And they've already got a non browning um, romaine that is approved. And they're working oh. on getting growers put together for that. So it's just, it's, it's such an interesting time to see these technologies come together. Uh, you know, whether it's IoT or gene editing and AI to see the combination and how how companies and others are able to integrate those going forward will be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that and seems I like think, the thing, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, Kevin, right? you would probably, you'd probably, uh, following the companies that you have uh, closely, you'd probably see that a lot of these companies have been working with AI for some time, at least doing basic machine learning. I think what really kind of came on the radar from a consumer awareness perspective is generative AI, which... Right. Um, Let's be, be honest. There's also just a lot of, uh, I guess, buzz. People are just trying to jump on the hype train to a certain degree. I think like companies like big food brands have been working on using machine learning, at least for the last couple of years, to accelerate their work. 
Yeah, that's a good question, Mike. I mean, we talk a lot about the, you know, all the positives and everyone's all excited about AI, but are there limitations or downsides that you see right now? I mean, like I think back to like microwave ovens back in the eighties and I am old, but you know, when those came out, it was like, everything's microwavable. And it was like, mm. you know, it wasn't, and people kind of stuck with that. I mean, do you see potential downsides to the fast incorporation of AI? It's interesting. I was invited to participate in a uh, a workshop in at Cal Poly about two months ago, and it was mainly academics. And interestingly, a lot of essentially uh, sociologists and kind of folks who focus on the kind of the social impacts of things like AI. And a lot of the worries that were is kind of a whiteboard session. It was one of those times where we're just saying, "Hey, throw it. Let's put this idea on the on the whiteboard and see what are our concerns." And a lot of the concerns were potential around, for example, bias. Um, you know, yeah. a lot of times there, there's, you know, AI is developed by, you know, certain types of prototypes of certain types of people. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, um, it, it oftentimes co copies other types of, uh, you know, thinking. So that right. was one idea. Another idea is uh, another potential concern was what if AI becomes this thing that helps us develop recipes and it kind of atrophies our own ability to cook yeah. or our own ability to develop recipes. That right. was another concern. Now, how much potential this has, I don't know, but it's great to raise these concerns right now as we're kind of in the early stages. Right. So that brings up, in my mind, kind of another interesting question. You know, there, there are lots of concerns. Tech firms are getting these around privacy, use of technology. So as AI gives food and bev companies more insight into kind of what's going on in our lives and how we use it, whether it's recipes or, or others, what are some of the ethical considerations? I don't know if these were brought up at Cal Poly or not, but what are some of the ethical considerations you see or that we should be aware of when we think about bringing AI forward in food and bev? Well, unlike, I think, things like screenwriting or, or you know, film and, 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 and novels, Food isn't as protected in terms of copyright, but I still think it's a big concern because I think a lot of the generative AI, large language models, large language models have largely been scraping the internet mm -hmm. and had largely been doing with abandon up until like the last, you know, six months when a lot of the publishers started to say, hey, you can't just copy all our stuff for free. Um, this isn't just a big grab bag of stuff. You can ingest and then spit out stuff and make money off of it. So I think. One of the big concerns is just intellectual property. And if I'm making great ideas around food and beverage, if I'm putting out recipes and it's being hoovered up by a large language model by Google or by OpenAI and then monetizing, I think that's a, a fairly big concern. I mean, it's it's quite honestly, that's the reason the WGA and the Actors Guild have been on strike for the past four months is their word that AI is going to essentially displace them. And I think it's a legitimate concern for for culinary creators as well. Yeah. I mean, you think about it like, I mean, I used to work in R&D and I know how it works to, you know, if you're developing soup, you know, canned soup or something like that, you have to develop a, an experimental design, you know, you have to go through all the different iterations. And to your point, I mean, that's a great use of AI because AI will be able to say, yeah, forget that, forget that one, just do these three and you'll, you'll get it right. But you think how many hours that takes and how many people mm -hmm. that takes and are people going to then be more productive in another way? Or does that just mean less people developing? So it is very similar to screenwriters, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, if you look at generative AI, it's not a conscious thinking compute, you know, brain that we right. created with that. It's largely something that is able to mimic really well 
stuff that's out there. It's ingesting millions and millions of of pages of copy or mm-hmm. ideas or or video, and it's basically looking for patterns and essentially doing a really good job of mimicking it. So I think that's that's the thing. We're not necessarily creating a brain; we're creating something that's right. largely good at mimicking. At least now, um, I yeah. mean, the the grand, um, the ultimate uh, goal for a lot of these computer scientists is to create sentience. I don't think mm-hmm. we're there yet. Um, another obvious concern, and this is the one that we've heard a lot more about, is just displacement of, of people in jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're necessarily there yet, but we are seeing um, we are seeing some, for example, in the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. using automation and using AI to essentially replace people in the back of house or mm-hmm. replace someone who may be taking your order at the drive-through. There's a there's like four or five startups I could probably name right now that are essentially doing voice. Uh, simulation and, and using generative AI to basically create a person that isn't really a person taking your order at the drive-thru. Interesting. Yeah. I was curious about that with the, with the labor pressures in there and in, in, in that space with food service um, that, that seems to make a lot of sense, right? Yeah. I mean, to kind of be you know sympathetic to operators, the restaurant business is notoriously hard to keep people staffed, yeah. but particularly quick service. And so, that's why that's one of the earliest adopters, I think, of both automation and AI, which I think there's overlaps there on the on the Venn diagram. I don't think they're synonymous, though, but there is definitely uh, an early embrace of these types of technologies in restaurants and food service. Yeah. You know, the hardest part about that AI with the drive through was developing that voice that you can barely hear. And then it gets really <laughs> loud and squelchy like that. That was yeah. the hardest part I heard. Yeah. Or the, yeah. Snark- the snarky. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. also making sure that you start with one voice and then you go to the other and then it cracks a lot. Right. Yeah. yeah. I pull, I pull up to the se- second, sec- second, second windows. Second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To that point though, I'm just thinking about, you know, drive throughs and all that kind of stuff. What is the most impressive AI that you've seen? I mean, just your personal opinion that you're like, whoa, like that's, that's pretty cool. If they can pull it off, you know, I mean, I'm sure you hear a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't come to fruition, but is there anything that pops to mind that you're like, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I think just using, um, like we've all have using chat GPT or the generative AI tools that is just more readily, obviously impressive to someone like me, a lay person than, yeah. you know, a lot of the stuff that's going on in the back of house or in the labs with machine learning, which, um, you know, Machine learning to tr- being used to discover next generation novel ingredients. That's really impressive, but like it's so abstracted mm-hmm. for me as a person. But when I look at um, the, the ability to use generative AI to create like really compelling, uh, interesting recipes, for example, that's that's pretty cool. Um, but you know that is not that didn't start with you know ChatGPT. You going back mm-hmm. ten years, we saw Watson. Mm-hmm. Uh, IBM was you know, one of the first applications they saw for Watson out of outside of going on Jeopardy <laughs> to defeat <laughs> Ken Jennings was to actually use it to create Chef Watson. Right. And, you know, since that time, we've seen like a bunch of different startups in the flavor space. There's I could probably name four or five startups using AI to develop unique and novel flavor recommendations. One of them will be at our event mm-hmm. called Food Pairing, and they're actually going to be on stage with Pepsi. They've been working with Pepsi to do some early work to say, Hey, how can we develop interesting things in the world of food and flavor? Yeah. And there's super interesting combinations too. Cause I, I somewhere I have the old a Watson wrote a cookbook and it's like such interesting things you would never put together because it's like, well, the, like to your point about pattern recognition, the AI was like, Oh, 
you know, chocolate goes with, I don't know, pork or something. I don't, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, I didn't think about that, but that does work um, based on, you know, the pattern recognition. So really but, interesting. But, but it's not going to be nearly as good as Kevin Ryan's Betty Crocker cookbook on it's why true. it works, right? It's I true. Mean, oh, that, right. That, that still that, remains a classic. That's definitive. Yeah. It's available on Amazon in time for Christmas. I also, right. Charlie, right. I thought you said it wasn't going to be as good as your roast bot. Well, true. that could be it too. Yeah. 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 Should <laughs> add chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Is there a little mole sauce with it? Yeah. There you go. You know, Mike, like, let's talk a little bit about if our listeners want to know where they can learn more or even network with folks in this space, because I think maybe you have an event coming up here in November, um, right? The Food AI Summit. So can you tell us a little bit about that and kind of maybe who's going to be there or what you're excited about? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the the, the plug. Um <laughs> Yeah, we decided to say, hey, let's bring people who are innovating in the space together in person. We had actually done an online event early in the year, and it, that was really well received. And that was more focused on generative AI and food. But this event we're doing, which is in Alameda, California, in the Bay Area, is across uh, all the different types of AI and up and down the food value chain and looking at really how it can impact it. So we have a few folks coming from the ag side. There was a there's a spin out called Mineral, which is de developed by Google. Um, and that came out of their uh, their Moonshot Factory X. And that the CEO of that company is coming to talk. Um, we have, like I said, someone's coming uh, with food pairing with Pep Pepsi, coming with them to talk about how you know they might generate or develop new types of ingredients. And we're also looking at personalized nutrition. One of the most exciting things I think is around AI is just this hyper-personalization that we can get. So if you take all of your different biomarkers and your, your, your flavor preferences and start to kind of use that and combine that with like something like to tell like you're wearing a wearable, you're wearing an Apple watch and you have a certain thing going on with your body today. Like, you know, you may need a certain type of nutrient in the future. I think one of the potential exciting things, barring potential privacy concerns, which is another kind of downside mm -hmm. uh, is just this idea of highly personalized recipes or nutrition. And I think we're going to have, we're going to have about an hour of that talking to three leaders in that space. So it's really um, a day to talk to leaders uh, across food retail, across restaurants, across ingredient development, and, and all the way to the consumer home. We're having a couple guys come and talk about what's going on in the home and AI and food. So uh, it'll be an interesting day. It's October 25th and the website's foodsummit.ai. Ah, October, not okay. October twenty fifth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 we're gonna have two people there. I'm I'm going to go, and a colleague of mine is going to go. I, you know, the the reputation of the spoon in your previous conferences. So excited to be able to be there and and uh, learn and explore and uh, really looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. counting on you to be a ringer uh, in the audience, Charlie. Some good questions. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Why we have you? Should go so we can all actually. Meet. I know. You I know exactly. Yeah. Well, why we have you here, Mike, I was just really curious, like hot off the press, and this is kind of AI, it's more personalized. I'm and curious about your take on Blue Apron Sale to Wonder that just happened, well, just announced this morning. Like, can you talk a little bit about that? Like, you know, I mean, just the idea of, you know, the ups and downs we've had of meal kits and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure you have been, I know I you've totally, been watching a lot. Thanks for, thanks for breaking the news to me because I, I missed that. Oh, okay. Um, it just came out so, this morning. So Blue Apron was sold to Wonder. The Wonder. company is like delivering food via their their customized vans. Right, right. Which I think they pivoted away from vans now. At least yeah, that's the yeah, last yeah. time I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's really interesting. I mean, I th I think you know, 
food deliver or I guess meal kits got a bad rap, understandably. And I think the the idea of like cook cooking by numbers, particularly the blue the blue apron model, became I mean, it's almost too much work. Like you get home tired from work. You don't want to like spend all this time. What where we saw delivery really starting and continuing to maintain traction the past couple of years is just ready to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think, and, and frozen. Um, So those those two categories, and you guys probably have that in your number somewhere Mm -hmm. um, that those two categories really, I think, continue to to do well. And so um, I, I, I think it's interesting, you know, you wonder really did do that pivot and they were kind of doing this ghost kitchen model Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's an interesting new addition. I'd have to kind of study it some, some more. What do you, what are your guys' perspective on that? Well, yeah, go ahead. Susan. Well, you're right. I mean, for the frozen aisle, certain segments of it, as well as ready to eat foods are trending up and doing quite well. So, um, you know, we're still making more meals in home prior to, um, the pandemic. It has settled down as we return to life in restaurants, uh, but not to the same extent. And consumers are always looking for convenience, right? So they are leaning into those spaces. And in the frozen aisle, I mean, there's been all kinds of wonderful innovation um, and quality. So that that doesn't surprise me. I think the thing that's interesting about, um, you know, Blue Apron is we, we were chatting on text about um, the sale this morning. And it it the thing is, is nobody's life is that constant, that they're home every night and everybody's mm. present and that you're all going to eat and you have the time to make the meal. So um, you're right. It wasn't, it wasn't convenient enough, but you know, maybe if they can make it more just in time and more, yeah, you know, put yeah. it in the oven. Ready or, to or eat, easier. ready to assemble and eat rather than like cooking from raw. I mean, HelloFresh actually, if you look at the HelloFresh's quarterly numbers, they've continued to grow every quarter. Um, so, and they're, they're more of a ready to eat model. So I think it's really mm-hmm. optimizing towards, what people want when they get home and when they're living busy lives, it's just stuff right. that is ready to eat, ready to cook and not, not you know, something you have to spend a lot of time on. Even Toval is another good example that mm-hmm. actually they've continued to grow. Um, you know, they've been able to raise funding up until, you know, the last year or so. And I think they're, if you look at their online cons- communities, they seem like I have a really happy audience of, of users mm-hmm. who like the Tavala model that combines both an oven, but also that food delivery. Yeah. Charlie, you have a Tavala, or do you have an Anova? I have an Anova. I have Nova. an Anova. Oh. Right. Yeah. Right. Which doesn't scan. It doesn't scan. Like you don't buy food directly for it, right? No, no, like no, no, no. It doesn't okay. scan, but it is. Yeah. 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 You have the, I mean, you you have the smart, they're, they're, uh, Gen 2. Yeah. Steam oven. oven. The steam yeah, oven, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. The sous vide oven. So it's great for, you know, baguettes and bread that needs, needs a little moisture in it while you're preparing it. So right. if you would send me things that I could dump in my two drawer air fryer, that were yeah. fresh and came out great. I, I would subscribe to you all day long. Yeah. But Th- that's TikTok. I, I know. That's what TikTok's doing for people. You know, I, I have issues, Kevin. I have national security issues. I'm not on TikTok. <laughs> beyond, 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 beyond conspiracy theory. I want to put that out there. I'm not a and fungus. And fungus. And fungus. Conspiracies and fungus. Those are the two, two big well, I have concerns about fungus. I watched The Last of Us. But Mike, <laughs> so if is is Viome still? Are they one of the three folks that are? Are your personalized nutrition that you're talking to? They're going to be coming to my event at CS. So um, just separately, the spoon is programming CS's food tech conference. And so one of the the topics is personalized nutrition and the CEO of Viome will be coming. Okay. So if Viome takes my stuff, my biomarkers and 
designs menus for me and sends me the food, if I could put it in my air fryer or my mm. oven, I'll, I'll do it all day, all day long personalized. But if I have to cook it and spend a lot of time, because I'm running to these guys know they get every damn game update of my 12 year old's football season. It's not going to happen. But do you need someone then to cut it up for you and serve it to you as well, Susan, at that point? Or are you, are you, no, I'll just shove it in in my mouth or my kitchen sink. Okay. Perfect. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. Mike, can I ask one other question? Does the refrigerator, I think I just saw it on the spoon. Is it Samsung that has a refrigerator that's supposed to really, really inventory and understand what's in your refrigerator? How, how good is that thing? What do you know about it? I mean, Samsung has been developing their family have refrigerator for the past five years. And I, I mean, was this, I don't know how recent this article was. It seems like they, their big move in the last month was to launch Google or excuse me, Samsung food, yeah, which is actually an evolution of the whisk platform. They had acquired whisk, I think in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I don't know. It feels like none of the smart fridges are great. None of them, a lot of them have cameras in there. I still feel like most of them haven't really gotten super intelligent. And uh, I still think there's a lot of potential to rethink the the refrigerator to make it just better to manage our food. Yeah. You know, Amazon had actually filed for a patent and I think I've been awarded a patent a couple of years ago, having an electronic news in a refrigerator that would detect mm. gas. Cause you know, most produce, when it starts to yep. get a little bit more true, it, it releases gases and, and they put a, a sensor in their fridge. So I was hoping at some point we'd see an Amazon fridge. We haven't seen it yet though. Hmm. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Time to transition to the quiz. And I just want you to know that since I, I lost last time for the first time in, in recorded history, I've been really? doing, I've been doing mental workouts every day. Uh, I've been doing the New York <laughs> times crossword puzzle. I've been studying trivia books. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm as, I'm as prepared as I possibly can be. So Kevin, Let's do okay. this. And Mike, you're more than willing. You're more than we are. You, we're more than happy to have you participate if right. you so choose. Or so. you can watch them suffer. Either yeah. one. It's up to you. I feel so. like I might get embarrassed. I'll, I'll try and participate. Okay. But I'm, yeah, I'm, let's I do think it. I might get embarrassed okay. here. There we go. So, no, no. This is, this is, this is, um, what I, I, based on the fact that we were looking at technology and food, I went a little bit old, older and did historical aspects of food and technology in the kitchen. <laughs> so, so, or outside the kitchen. So the first question is the first vending machine was actually invented in the first century uh, AD in Greece, and it dispensed holy water. Uh, but it wasn't until the 1800s that vending machines came back on the scene. What was the first food or beverage use for vending machines? So what was After the first thing dispensed? After holy water. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't like that one because it, it kept eating my quarters. I mean, the, the one that gave holy water <laughs> is not, not, not good. So. Right. So is it A, lemonade at communal picnics? Was it B, chewing gum in subways? Was it C, pie slices in a train station? Or was it D, sandwiches in schools? 1800s. Susan? Sandwiches in schools? Okay, sandwiches. Charlie? Chewing gum. Chewing gum. Mike? I'm going to go with pie slices because I know a lot of the early... Bending was in New York. So I'm going to go Right, right. No, Charlie is correct. It was chewing oh. gum. Thomas Adams was the first person to put a vending machine in. It dispensed Tutti Frutti, which was his invention in New York subway stations. Yeah. And then later, the next one was chocolate was dispensed as you well. Know, I figured it had to be something that gone... wasn't terribly perishable. Right. Right. I was going to say, we should have gone shelf stable. They didn't. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Question two. What was the first grocery item scanned using a barcode scanner? Uh, so laser scanner. Was it mm. A, a box of cereal, B, a can of soup, C, Tic Tacs, or D, a pack of chewing gum? 
Susan? Gonna, it can't be gum again. No. no or could it? It can't be gum again, but I really <laughs> want to say it. I'm going to say a box of cereal. Okay. Mike, I'll go. I'll, I'll switch around, Mike. I'll go with soup. Okay, soup. I'm going with cereal. I'm going with Susan on this one. You're all wrong. I tricked you. It's a pack of chewing gum. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. The first was no a way. pack of chewing, a Wrigley's chewing gum in the summer of 1974. It was the first UPC scanned um, wow. in Ohio Marsh Supermarket. Uh, so, yeah, it was the first okay. one. All right. Uh, Charlie's up. What was the first commercial? <laughs> Darn. What was the first commercially available food developed specifically for heating in the home microwave oven? So developed specifically because you could heat lots of stuff, but like was developed to be microwaved. Was it A, a Swanson's TV dinner? Was it B, Betty Crocker's microwavable cake? Was it C, Campbell's super combo, a frozen soup and sandwich package? Or was it D, Tasty Witch, a microwavable sandwich? I'm going Betty Crocker. Okay, Betty Crocker microwave cakes. Charlie? Campbell's. Campbell's. Mike? I'm just going to go with Tasty Witch. It was Tasty Witch, invented by two Iranian um, immigrants, uh, brothers. Um, they later changed the name to Hot Pockets. And so oh, oh, yes. But it was originally called Tasty Witch, and they oh, developed it. Yeah. It's, be- it's yeah. better than a loose meat sandwich. That has to right. be the worst name for any food. Right. Yes, it is. Totally. No one's going to have a loose meat sandwich. No, no, not a good idea. <laughs> okay. Put, this is a little tougher. Put the following kitchen inventions in chronological order. So which came first, which came second? So uh, electric toaster, electric drip coffee maker, commercially sliced bread, or a home electric refrigerator. So toaster, coffee maker, sliced bread, or refrigerators. Are you sliced asking bread. us to say what came first? Which came, you can put them in order, but if you give me, if you could give me an order, but which one came first? I mean, that's probably sliced, br- sliced bread. Sliced bread, Charlie says sliced bread. Susan? Wait, toaster, coffee, sliced bread, or what? Toaster, coffee maker, sliced bread, or electric refrigerator? Toaster. Toaster? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say toaster. It was toaster. It was toaster. Toaster was invented in 1893. Now, it would... It was like an open coil, yeah. <laughs> but it was in, in England and you do know that the English love their toast. So that yes. makes sense. But then the next one was a home refrigerator and then it was sliced bread. So there wow. in 1928, so there was almost 30 years between having sliced bread you could buy and put it on an actual electric toaster. You had to slice your own bread. So yeah, somebody should have figured it out sooner than that. Yeah. But you probably baked your own bread too. Yes, I'm sure you did. Yeah. Uh, sure. All right. Last yeah. question. The producer of such classical musical hits as Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, Dancing in the Dark, and White Christmas was also the promoter and financer of which kitchen, iconic kitchen appliance? So which kitchen appliance did this classical musical producer or musical producer, which one, which one did they invent? Was it A, electric mixer, B, dishwasher, C, electric blender, or D, garbage disposal? Mixer. Mixer. Charlie or Mike? I, I'm going to go with garbage disposal just as the garbage odd disposal. odd one out. Okay, Mike? Blender? It is the blender. Fred Ooh. Waring. Fred Waring oh. was an American oh. musical Blend? band leader and radio personality. And he was the promoter and backer it's Waring, of not Waring? Waring Blending. Waring, Waring, Waring. W-A-R-I-N-G. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, that was, and he was a very, he was called America's singing master or the man who taught America how to sing. He was very popular back in the day. Now, what, what pop song had wearing blender in, in the lyrics? I'm trying to remember because it's coming to me. 
I don't know if there was. Like, I mean, he, you know, it was some, something, and then it was like like a wearing blender. So it was well, an sure. analogy to it was. He was probably let figure that out. <laughs> well, there you go. Who won? Mike. Mike won. Mike won. He got, got two. Won. Susan and I each had one. There you go. Yeah, Mike should have known. I got three. I got Mike three. Wolf I going to win the quiz. So. Right. Yeah. Mike, yeah. that's never happened. What do I? So what do I get? Do I get yeah, like our, a, our everlasting love and respect? Pride, okay. not so, pride. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah. Pride. <laughs> walk around all day I get, saying, I'm I get a I get a pack of chewing gum right yeah well we'll, right. we'll, we'll send you a certificate just go keep looking yourself. for it go get a pack of gum all right all right, <laughs> all right. hey we're well, a couple minutes fun. over thank you oh yeah thank you Mike very Thanks, much man. we really appreciate it look forward to seeing you in October at the AI summit and what's the best way for people to register yeah just go to the website it has its own website foodsummit.ai Food summit. And it's AI. across the top of the spoon. And if you haven't yeah. signed up for the spoon newsletter, oh yeah, it's a, it's a must read. Out. Must yeah. read. So. Yeah. All right, Kevin, Susan, thank you so much. Mike, thank you for being with us. Join us again next month. We look forward to having you on the next edition of Three Squares. Don't forget you can also email us at three squaresmail at gmail.com. Thanks. Have a great rest of your day. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 